Welcome, this is Dirt to Dollars, hosted by your local county extension agents, where we talk everything agriculture. All right. Well, welcome back to Dirt to Dollars. We are in the week of April the 28th, and I'm Whitney Carmen. I'm a Grayson County Ag agent, and I've got my other co-host here with me today, Daniel uh, from LaRue County and Matt Adams from Hardin County. And today we are going to talk a little bit of weather. We have with us today uh, Mr. Matt Dixon. He is with the UK Ag Weather Center. He is a meteorologist that works through uh, Extension and through the university. And uh, Matt, we're glad you could be with us today. Hey, happy to be here. I, I wasn't sure uh, if you guys were going to have me on after seeing two inches of rain this past week. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we are glad you could be with us because, you know, weather is a topic that everybody can talk about and everybody is interested in in some sort of fashion. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into working with UK and the Ag Weather Center. So I grew up in Vincennes, Indiana. It's about an hour north of Evansville, um, hour 20 north of Henderson, Kentucky. Okay. But uh, growing up, I worked in the fields uh, for actually my high school science teacher. He had about 20, 30 acres. It was a horticulture-based operation. Um, did all kinds of vegetables, watermelon, uh, cantaloupe, tomatoes, cucumber, peppers, you name it. Um, back in Southwest Indiana, a little bit different from here in the bluegrass region. Uh, there's a lot of sandy soils and mm -hmm. watermelon and cantaloupe really thrive out there. So, mm -hmm. uh, but anyways, I did that growing up. Um, I've always been interested in the weather and um, I went to Purdue for uh, three or four years. I transferred there three years, I guess, from a junior college. Um, got my degree in atmospheric sciences and uh, I was looking for jobs and whatnot and I was lucky. UK had an ag weather job open up and mm -hmm. considering I was working the fields uh, for quite a long time and then had the weather background. So it uh, seemed like perfect fit. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So my boss, Tom Pretty, uh, went in for the interview and I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I don't think this happens very, very often, but uh, I went in for the interview. I found out that Tom, he's been here for over 40 years now, mm -hmm. but uh he went to the same junior college I went to 40 years back cool. and, and he went to Purdue. So <laughs> have a lot in common then. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're stealing you all from Indiana. So yeah. Yeah. So 40 years later, I mean, we, we followed generally the same path, but mm -hmm. um, I've been with UK since 2012 now um, working mainly with extension and whatnot, but also working with the researchers, uh, students across across the college and uh, extension agents as yourself. <laughs> but um, we do a variety of things with the Ag Weather Center. Our main goal, <clears throat> excuse me, is to minimize weather-related surprise for uh, Kentucky farmers. And mm -hmm. um, we have a website, it's weather.uky.edu. Um, we, we offer a variety of tools and models for farmers to use across the state. One of our more popular tools is the Point Ag Forecast. Mm -hmm. I tell everybody, you know, you can watch the 6 p.m. broadcast uh, newscast at night and you get a look at what the next seven days is going to be like. But you guys know in ag, you need a little bit more than that. Yeah. You need to know, okay, it's going to storm the next couple of days, but how much rain are we going to get? 
Um, when is it going to start? What's winds going to be like? Maybe I need to spray something moving forward. Um, we offer things like look at a look at livestock cold stress and heat stress. Uh, obviously, this past winter we didn't have much cold stress. It was a pretty warm winter, but uh, we'll look at heat stress moving forward. But um, that's some of the things we do. And um, yeah. Yeah, so you started you started in 2012. That's uh, that seems like a <laughs> big year for ag and weather yeah. um, around here. Right in the drought year. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I stepped in. I guess it was uh, July that year. Right when things were really in the ramp right up. in it. Yeah. So were you the reason? <laughs> like, people like to blame the, the weatherman for everything. So it seems like it stopped when you got here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the, I think it was June that year. It was one of the driest Junes on record. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, hit at a really bad time for corn. And uh, that progressed into July. And I think that year, if I remember right, we got saved. I'll put saved in quotation marks, but uh, by a couple hurricanes, uh, the remnant systems of hurricanes moving through the area. So mm-hmm. later that fall, but um, yeah, 2012, big drought year, but uh, lucky for us, I guess, looking at drought, we had one in 2016. We had a drought in September this past year. So mm-hmm. um, it's really been wet the past 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> It has been. Yeah. And as extension agents, I think we're seeing a lot of um, impacts of that because we have a lot of ornamental plants that just don't handle uh, being wet all the time and they're starting to have issues. And I know mm-hmm. one that we always get a call about is like white pines and blue spruces. Um, they just they just can't handle being wet all the time and become more susceptible to disease. Um, yeah. So that's I know that's something that we see that um, is definitely a product of having too much rain. Yeah. yeah. And I noticed too, you all on your website, you have some links to some websites that talk about disease as well, because obviously a lot of the diseases we get here in the state are dependent on the weather. So you all on your website have a forecast model or have links to those websites like our Southern Rust and our um, diseases for our ornamentals that are on that website too. So Yeah, and um, we worked with uh, plant pathologists at UK. (laughs) Uh, to develop a bunch of disease prediction models for mm-hmm. fruit trees, peaches, and whatnot. I know fire blight is big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a model, uh, try to uh, help producers know when they need to make those spray applications moving forward. But uh, yeah, quite a few disease prediction models and insect prediction models. Yeah, that's true. So that and then the growing growing degree days, I know that was kind of a popular thing here. We talked a lot about it a few weeks ago. So I know those are on there as well. Uh, but it's a really good resource, I think. So what about some... Uh, I know we rely a whole lot too on the Kentucky Mesonet. You know, each county, a lot of counties have a Mesonet site in their county. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship you guys have with them as far as your communication and your efforts together? Yeah, so the Kentucky Mesonet, it's a it's a great source of weather data here in Kentucky. Uh, we're lucky to have it. Not many states have a network of weather stations, research quality weather stations like Kentucky has. The Kentucky Mesonet is actually ran through WKU, mm-hmm. um, Kentucky Mesonet down there. Stu Foster's the director, and uh, there's over 70 weather stations now across the state of Kentucky. I think all three of you mm-hmm. have a Mesonet. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a good resource uh, of uh, information. And um, WKU, we actually have a data feed set up with them. 
they generous, generously uh, give us that data. We put, push that data into some of our models, the disease prediction models, the growing degree day models, uh, so on and so forth. And uh, we, we take that data for your county. And uh, I, I feel like that's the best data we can get here in Kentucky. So. So Matt, just uh, don't want to really put you on the spot, but uh, you know we've been been wet. We got some early planting done early this year in April, uh, and then been kind of hit and miss the last couple of weeks. What's the long range forecast looking like for us right now? Yeah, so I don't want to say it because it's not something farmers want to hear. But <laughs> outlooks hint at above normal precip moving forward through May next couple of weeks through May, and even the three-month uh, outlook out through, uh, let's see, uh, May, June, July now, um, all calling for above normal precip. So these outlooks, we're basically looking at uh, the forecaster's confidence in whether precip and temperatures is going to be above near normal or below normal. I tend to look at those uh, six to 10 day outlooks, eight to 14 day outlooks. All this is on our website. So feel Mm -hmm. feel free to get on there and look at the outlooks do forecast a cooler period two weeks out uh, later next week. Uh, Then it's trending warmer for the month of of May as a whole. So um, yeah, so that's where we're at. I, I, you know, we talk about the May outlook, outlook wet and warm, but um, we're going to have breaks. I talk about the three month outlook, wet and warm. We're going to have breaks. So, yeah, right. I wouldn't worry a lot about it, about those outlooks. So, um, we'll get the core in the ground. Yeah. Well, and as a, as a farmer told me one time, at least if you stress that, have to stress out over the, over a wet year, you have something to, to kind of pay for that stress at the end of the year when, uh, when we're too dry and have a drought, then there's usually nothing to show for it at the, at the end. But, yeah. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we can fight through this and maybe come out with a good crop on the other side. Anyway. I, I've been telling everybody too, I, I think we've been lucky this year, you know, having that first half of April with dry mm-hmm. conditions for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, I was looking at some data before I got on this podcast and it, it's kind of crazy to look at it, but we have data that goes back to 1895. So 125 years worth of data. And four of the past 10 years, going back to 2011, have been placed in the top 10 wettest years ever. So um, recently, it's been very wet. So. Mm-hmm. Now, Matt, do, do you primarily just focus on Kentucky weather? Do you ever look at like any of the weather trends in the Corn Belt? I know it's been almost depressing to be on social media in this part of the world uh, within the last week or 10 days because... Uh, you see all the corn planters running where the flooding and all the frequent yeah. rains were last year. Most of those guys are wrapping up planting right now ahead of schedule. Do you have any insight on what their weather maybe looks like going forward in the growing well, season? I, I tend to focus on Kentucky. Um, I'll, I'll look around at the rest of the U.S. every now and then. Um, I do have family back in Illinois. Uh, they, they put corn and bean, beans in the ground. I remember last year, I mean, it was wet here, but up in Ohio, Illinois, right. uh, Indiana, I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> and, uh, I know prevent planting was big up there last year. And uh, so, yeah, I, I tend to focus on Kentucky, but 
Um, every now and then I'm looking across the U.S., especially recently with all the severe weather. Yeah. So uh, speaking of severe weather, <laughs> um, I, we were talking before we started recording the podcast about kind of our, you know, we all have thoughts on severe weather and stories that we could tell about it. And you guys work with the National Weather Service. I mean, is there severe weather preparedness is important. Do you mind to kind of discuss about what are some things that we can do as farmers and agriculturalists as being out in the fields and dealing with severe weather? There, there's a few steps you can take, um, both for your family and, and for the farm. But I'd say first and foremost, know the difference between a watch and a warning, whether mm -hmm. that's a severe thunderstorm watch, a tornado watch, and a tornado warning. Mm -hmm. um, a watch we're basically saying conditions are favorable for severe weather. We're, we're telling you to have that no weather radio out that day. We're, we're telling you to look at your weather apps on your phone, watch, watch your local broadcast meteorologist. We want you to be weather aware. Mm -hmm. But once that shifts to a warning, the number one thing we want you to do, go take shelter, <laughs> go to your basement. Yeah. Uh, we're all good at taking shelter now, sheltering at home. <laughs> Well, that helps out, don't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Go take shelter. Um, you know, plan for this ahead of time. If you have a basement, that's obviously the best place to go during a tornado warning. You want to get underground. Um, if you have a one-story house, that's fine, too. Um, go to that innermost room in your house. You want to put the most walls between you and the outdoor environment. The reason being... You know, tornadoes, obviously, we all know about them. They have very high winds. The most dangerous aspect of a tornado is whenever it's taking material and throwing it through the air. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm a baseball fan. I don't know if you guys are Reds fans or anything, but <laughs> um, I'm honestly a Cubs fan. Maybe I should. <laughs> I'm not a big baseball fan. I just I, can't get into baseball. I, I watch it because my kids are in it. So I'm sure I will, too, at some point when my kids yeah. get into it. But. But just as a comparison, uh, the Reds had a closer there, and he went to the Cubs as Andrellis Chapman, but he had a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. And uh -huh. I guarantee you no one wants to get beamed by a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. But these tornadoes, I mean, 100 miles per hour, it's not flinging baseballs. I mean, it might be flinging a two-by-four. And uh, I've seen pictures where – and I've actually went out I, – I, I, one of my most memorable – uh, events was back in 2014, but uh, mm -hmm. I've seen two by fours just stick through a wall. And uh, I know Matt, uh, you know, Whitney, Daniel, I mean, you guys could take a two by four, throw it as hard as you could at, at the wall behind you, and uh, it's not going to stick straight right. in there. Mine uh, probably will. I can throw a two by four pretty hard. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. Lord. <laughs> it's getting deep. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, take shelter. If you're in a mobile home, um, please find a safer spot. You don't want to be in a mobile home during a tornado. It doesn't take much to roll a mobile home over. Get warning. Uh, know whether radios are great to have. 30 or 40 bucks from your local Walmart, wherever that may be. It can save your life. I mean, you have a tornado come through at 2 a.m. in the morning. That just happened in Nashville, I think mm -hmm. it was second or third this year. Mm -hmm. and, um, unfortunately, I believe there's multiple fatalities, but uh, 
there's no weather radio for 30 or 40 bucks. It'll wake you up in the middle of the night. It'll get you out of bed, tell you to go take shelter, and, and it can save your life. So I highly recommend everyone getting one of those no weather radios. But on the farm, everything I've been saying uh, still, you know, holds true and whatnot. But I, I think a big part of it is, you know, for severe weather or any type of disaster, ice storm, um, drought this past September, just making sure you're prepared. Let's say a tornado goes through and rips out your fence line. Do you have the supplies ready? Let's say we have an ice storm like we did. I don't remember. Was it 2008, 2009? 2009. 2009. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a generator on hand? Uh, things of that nature. I, I think back in that ice storm, many people were without power for a week plus. So yeah. And and I think a lot of people got stocked up on generators at that time, too. It's like everybody buying them up. Yeah. Just be prepared um, for any type of situation, whatever it may be. So we're in severe weather season right now. Um, I've seen some crazy stuff going out on tornado damage surveys with the National Weather Service. And it's definitely something you don't want to mess with. Uh, Just like lightning, uh, high wind events, (laughs) hail. I mean... (laughs) Yeah. Stay indoors. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think about the folks that are on a tractor or in a metal shop working, you know, during these severe weather events. And I always tell them most of the time they're close enough to the house that they can, you know, if you just give them 10 minutes, if they've got a weather radio or something and they're keeping an eye on it, they can get to the house as, you know, as soon as they can. Yeah. And so, you know, to go along with it, I, I tell everybody you have multiple tornado warnings over the course <laughs> of your life. And, more times than not, you're not going to see a tornado. Right. Now, because now, real quick, a tornado warning doesn't necessarily mean there is a tornado. Is that, isn't that correct? Well, a tornado warning, it's either been observed by a spotter mm-hmm. or it's radar indicated. Right. So either situation takes shelter. Right. No, I get it. But like, gotcha. it didn't always mean that there was definitely a tornado. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. I, after the event's over, if there was damage reported, uh, the National Weather Service will go out and do a tornado survey and get an idea of how strong that tornado was. But um, I wanted to say, you know, like, even though there are tornado warnings and they might not always happen, please take shelter because right. you never know when it will happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So I know, let's see, when I'm when I'm thinking about some like weather memories and you say go inside and, and be safe. When I was a child, I was vacuuming the floor. Now <laughs> our house got struck by lightning and it and it went through the house and it shot, you know, it hit the uh, electric line going into the house, uh, which was an above ground line. We buried it after that. Um, but it came in and, 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 and I was, I was glad I was wearing my brown pants that day. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, and to this day, I don't vacuum anymore. That's, that's why I don't, I, I bet don't your vacuum. wife loves that. That's <laughs> what scarred you. Yeah. So, uh, I know that's, that's a memory that stands out to me in my childhood. Uh, it, it that, that, that lightning, uh, it zapped all of our TVs. It shot nails out of the wall. Um, from where it came in, so it just you know it's crazy to, to witness the power of lightning like that. But uh, that's why I don't vacuum anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Get in trouble, huh? Yeah, I grew up a lot in the uh, Breckenridge County along the river, and so we were our little town was devastated by two different tornadoes, and my grandparents' farm was taken twice, or their house and barns were taken twice. So we we don't mess around when it comes to tornadoes. <laughs> I got a couple big weather memories since I've been in Kentucky, but 2014, I I tend to tell everybody about, but Mm -hmm. 
Um, it was early in October that year, but we had a warm front set up uh, just north of Lexington. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a bunch of supercell thunderstorms, basically rotating thunderstorms develop along that boundary. They were just moving <laughs> west to east across, uh, across that boundary. And I had a tornado warning in my house. I took shelter under my stairwell and whatnot. I heard hail coming down on top of the house. And after the warning was over, I, I went outside and it looked like it snowed outside. There was enough hail on the ground. Oh, wow. But uh, something you don't normally see, uh, sirens went off again. And uh, another supercell thunderstorm was passing over, another tornado warning. Took shelter again. And uh, this time, I had baseball-sized hail at my house. And Golly. I, wow. I know I keep talking about baseball, but um, <laughs> it's hard to imagine or, or uh, describe to you what baseball size hail is like unless you <laughs> unless you've experienced. It. I I told people I was underneath my you know stairwell, and it sounded like multiple people were taking baseball bats and just hitting the side of my house. And, Gosh, uh, twenty thousand dollars worth of uh, damage later. Uh, you know, thankfully got insurance and whatnot. But uh, anyways, the next day that thunderstorm produced a tornado and uh, the National Weather Service called me and they said, Matt, would you like to join us on a tornado survey? And I said, sure. And we went to Paris right mm -hmm. down the road from me. I live in Georgia. We got there and tornado touched down in a subdivision. Once again, uh, until you see it, it's just hard to, I mean, it blows your mind, but uh, the power of mother nature but uh, it tore walls down, it tore roofs off. But um, most eye-opening moment for me that day was I was walking around the house and I noticed a wall was taken out. I, I had a woman come and tap me on the shoulder and uh, she asked if I could help her in any, in any way. I just told her I was helping out the NWS and uh, she goes, well, let me tell you a story. And she said she heard the sirens and whatnot uh, saw the leaves flying past the window, branches and whatnot. Here comes a tornado. Uh, it ripped her kitchen wall down and ripped her with it. And she landed face first in her driveway. And oh, wow. uh, this is like, what, 12, 18 hours after the fact. And she was still visibly, you know, shaking and uh, understandably so. I mean, the power of Mother Nature, it's, it's hard to fathom sometimes. It's just something that could rip your wall out. Mm -hmm. if, if tornado take shelter guys yeah <laughs> so. so uh matt adams did you have i have to say the last <laughs> name because we have two mats did, did you have right. any weather memories you wanted to share i guess my i guess it's severe weather but it's a different type of severe weathers uh one that kind of sticks out in my mind i was probably 16 or 17 uh was turkey hunting and actually in eastern kentucky uh and it was raining one morning we'd went up up in the dark on this mountain to hunt uh, stayed up there till 10 or 11 o'clock and it rained hard, but, uh, you know, you wouldn't think about it being a flood and rain or anything, uh, came down and went to, to go out, you know, out in that part of the world at the bottom of every mountain is a little Creek of some kind, uh, every road we could find to try and get off that mountain, we were flooded out, mm -hmm. uh, and we're stuck there for, I don't remember six or eight hours, something like that, uh, till the water finally went down. But I guess, What's what's the saying with that one, Matt? Is it turn around, don't drown? That's kind of yeah. what we had had to try yeah. on that one. But I, that's something else I tell everybody: don't mess with uh, the power of water either. I mean, if you pull up to a road 
and you see water going across it, turn around, find another route because, um, you know, you might be taking the risk thinking, okay, that water's only a few inches or whatnot crossing the road, but sometimes it's deeper than that and you don't know the condition of the road underneath it. So it might be washed out for all you know. So, so these were real, these were real life weather memories. Um, what about some movie or TV show weather memories? Is there any, <laughs> is there any like weather event in a movie or TV show, or maybe it's a movie about the weather that, that stands out to any of you all? I, so I know you guys were talking about last week on the podcast. If you're a meteorologist, I'd be surprised if Twister isn't your favorite movie. Of course. I mean, how what about I, Shark? What about Sharknado? Is that, is that not on your list? Which one, Daniel? <laughs> I guess I'll go with the original, uh, the first one, the OG I mean, Sharknado. It's a little far fetched. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> But uh, the perfect storm—that was a good one. Yeah, oh, that yeah. Going to be I hadn't thought about that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I—I I mean, Twister's number one on my list. I—I I, I look back at it, and after you get your atmospheric science degree and whatnot, you look back and you kind of start looking at, well, that's fiction. That's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so. entertaining, though. That's for sure. It so. Definitely is entertaining. Now, well, what about I- what about cloudy with a chance of meatballs? <laughs> That's, that's a pretty good one. I mean, if we yeah. could put hamburgers to fall from the sky. That would be pretty nice. That'd be all right. But, well, and I have a question too. You know, that movie came out, gosh, in the 90s, right? If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I was a kid. But I wonder how much of that movie actually helped. Did it help kind of with people getting, you know, information? Because that was awareness. the whole point of the, the movie was trying to teach people to, you know, get out of the way and to help the weather service help people. So I wondered if there was any kind of positive influence out of that. Yeah. I think my generation, it it really got a lot of kids interested. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I watched that movie and my eyes opened and whatnot. Yeah. um, But you know, yes, storm chasing, you know, get out of the way. If, if you don't know what you're doing, please stay off the roads. Yeah. (laughs) Leave that to the pros and whatnot. But yeah. that and with technology today, you know, don't be outside holding your phone up and recording yeah. stuff. Not right. that I've ever done that, but if um, <laughs> but that's probably not the best thing to be doing. Um, let, leave that to the professionals. Leave it yeah. to the pros. And, yeah. you know, we, we've been talking about Twister and whatnot. And I, I don't know if this is starting to show my age or or what, but, uh, you know, I teach a class in biometeorology during the spring semester. And uh, I, the first thing I ask the students is, how many people have seen, how many of you guys have seen Twister? Mm-hmm. Every year it gets less and less. I know. Oh, are you sad. serious? A, a couple of years ago, I didn't have any students raise their hand. So, oh, wow. Um, I, I didn't do it, but I thought maybe it should have been a homework assignment. Going yeah. <laughs> it, it seemed like to me, Twister, my generation, you have to watch, just like Jaws was the big mm-hmm. movie. unfortunately my children watched that last week and i'm not telling their (laughs) ages but they weren't scared so i guess that's okay but no i have a cousin that's actually a meteorologist and i swear i think that twister is what kind of got him interested in it so well it scarred my wife for for life i think she still won't watch it and we can't have wind chimes on the back porch (laughs) (laughs) that's unfortunate well back back to a little more 
serious extension related stuff. What about research? Um, I know it, it seems like more and more of the uh, research that either is going on with grain crops, forage crops, um, and maybe even uh, diseases in those crops. There's a lot of uh, a lot of re- probably a lot of requests for weather data. Are you seeing an increase in uh, in requests for weather data? And maybe what what all are you all doing right now uh, with with research at UK and different in different avenues and different areas? Yeah. So you guys know the freezing temperatures we had about a week and a half ago. Uh, it, it got down into the middle upper 20s across m- much much of the state. That's not completely out of the norm for Kentucky. Uh, normally our, our average last freeze event here in Kentucky is middle to late April. Um, we, we see, you know, that chance dwindle off as we get into May. Am I telling you go see, put your warm season vegetables out right now? No. You know, that freeze event, I had grain crops calling me, uh, asking me for data. Um, I had horticulture. I I had uh, forages call me, alfalfa damage, uh, uh, winter wheat damage. We had damage to apple trees, so on and so forth. And uh, we've been taking that data, and we're still looking into it, but um, trying to find that relationship between the weather uh, maybe the point in that plant's development uh, that really uh, causes that damage and whatnot. And sometimes it's hard to track because, I mean, temperature, uh, for an instance, uh, or for an example, it can vary greatly uh, across the course of a county, even greatly across your own field. So right. Um, right. sometimes it's hard to track. So that's something we're looking into right now. Uh, 2007, everyone remembers the freezing temperatures that year. I mean, it decimated about everything. And uh, we look back, uh, 2017, we had some very cold temperatures in the middle of March. And uh, just comparing those two years, we didn't see as much damage in 2017 compared to 2007. Even though temperatures were colder in 2017, but uh, we looked at growing degree days and growing degree days in 2007 surpassed 300 growing degree days that year. Um, in 2017, I don't think we cracked 200 at that time. So um, kind of looking into growing degree days, seeing if there's a relationship there um, in correlation to damage. But uh, that's some of the stuff we're doing right now. So, And then you all also, you're also doing a... Um webinar i think you were telling us about um maybe maybe going a little bit about that and and what all you all discuss in there so if you're a farmer if you're a producer across the state or or if you're just a weather nerd like me uh, we have a new webinar uh it's produced by the kentucky climate center down at wku i help out on the agricultural side we go through what the climate's been like the past month, the past three months, what's precip been like across the state, temperatures, so on and so forth. Uh, we'll look at soil temperatures, you know, for spring planting. Um, we'll look at the outlooks moving forward, the forecast. Uh, we'll look at the agricultural impacts and impacts to other sectors across the state. But um, I, I just, it's a good source of information for uh, farmers and producers across the state. The first Thursday of every month is whenever we hold this webinar, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Uh, Central. But uh, it's, it's open to the public. It's open to the media. 
uh, I'll post a, uh, a link to the webinar that you can sign up or register for on my Twitter page if you're interested. Um, just search UK Ag Weather on Twitter. I, th I think uh, Dirt to Dollars, uh, I think you guys are following us, but yep. uh, I'll put some info about that webinar, our next one coming up next week. And, uh, but feel free to join. So I think that's really good information to have. You know, that's, it's something that, like you said, it's more than just watching the five o'clock news. It, it'll give you a little bit better outlook on what's going on. So I think farmers would be really interested in that. Ag and weather definitely go hand in hand. So, so we were talking before we started recording here, we saw all the guitars on the wall back behind you back there. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping you'd be able to pull one down and play a little riff, but then you <laughs> disappointed us and told us they weren't yours. <laughs> yeah, I, so that's, that's my daughter's guitars. Uh, she's, she's 11. She's really into that, that stuff. I, I pick up a guitar. I have no idea what I'm doing. My my mind and my hands they they don't work together. I'm the same way. <laughs> she, uh, she does a lot of alternative rock music uh, back in the '90s, the Green Day, the Weezer. Oh the, yeah. But uh, lately, uh, this past weekend, I got her to start playing Chris Stapleton, and uh, I want her one of my all-time favorite country songs is John Deere Green. It's a good oh, one. Yeah. Hey. She, she won't play that for me yet. <laughs> I know we, we've uh, talked about sports a little bit during this, and I think we forgot to touch on this topic, but uh, I know me and Whitney are especially are, are big UK football fans. And uh, some of your uh, job description, I think you had a – seems like you had a busy fall with football season last year. Um, so tell, maybe tell us a little bit about that and what you do for uh, uh, UK uh, sports. Yeah. So – since I got here in 2012, um, UK Ag Weather, we've always um, monitored the weather for football games uh, at UK. We have to be on site. Um, I get there about two, three hours prior, and um, I obviously look at the forecast and whatnot. I have to go downstairs. I do a short briefing for referees, uh, opposing teams, a, a media, so on and so forth, and and then I'm in the command center upstairs. And oh, lucky. Do you have any, like, free guest passes <laughs> for that? <laughs> uh, I wish. Can I we wish. be your shadow that day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, the command center, I mean, dispatches up there, uh, um, athletic personnel. If something happens, we have dispatch there so we can get word out across the stadium <laughs> really quick. Um, knock on wood, I have not had a big-time severe weather event at uh, Kroger Field. Um, it's good to see. I've had some close calls. If lightning gets within eight miles of stadium, we have to evacuate. We mm -hmm. have to spin play. And uh, But last year, I mean, you guys have been to games. It rained, it seemed like, every single game. But uh, I'll tell you guys a quick story real quick. It, it really surprised me that day. But um, they do that catwalk before the game. Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So uh, athletics personnel is calling me. They're, they're saying, Matt, you know, storm's in the area. Can we can we do the catwalk? And it was about 5.30, and I said, well, give me a call back in about 20 minutes. I'll, I'll let you know. And uh, so they give me a call back, and I started going through the forecast, and I told him it was going to be all right. And he said, well, just wait a second. Let me, let me get Mark on the line. And uh, I, I said, 
I started thinking to myself, Mark, who's <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Mark Stukes? You know, <laughs> the head guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I I just my mind kind of shifted. It was like, oh, that Mark. <laughs> but, uh, so he he really wanted to have the cat walk outside. Mm-hmm. You don't want to mess up, you know, uh, tradition. Tradition. Yeah. And uh, it, it worked out. We had a break, and but I think the rain came back later that day. But you know, look at UK's football team last year with uh, Bowden and whatnot. I think having rain games was actually benefit the team in the running. Yeah, I agree. Time, so yeah, if we were if we were winning, we didn't care if we were in the rain or not. <laughs> so it sounds like this year, though, we're going to need you to bring us some drier weather if you can work that out. All right. Yes, please. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> If we get to play, that's the other thing. We we're still kind of up in the air on all that. You may not have to worry about sending people out of the stadium. So we got a good football team this year, so I'm hoping it, it pans out. So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Matt, before we wrap up here, I want to take a minute and just uh, just express how appreciative we are as extension agents to have you in this role. Uh, I know we we keep going back to you started in 2012. That's kind of when I first started getting to know you, really, as soon as you came in, uh, as far as you reaching out to extension agents uh, during a severe or a weather event like a drought or flooding or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, and trying to get pictures and get an idea of how things are actually going in the individual counties out there. Uh, we really appreciate that in a specialist, no matter what field they're in. So. Yeah, we do. You know, I appreciate you guys out there uh, in the counties. I mean, I, I couldn't do what I'm doing uh, with drought and whatnot without your, your all's eyes out in the field. So it really helps me out. And, uh, uh, yeah, great relationship with the counties across Kentucky. So. All right. Well, if you guys don't have any other questions, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up, but we do appreciate you coming on today and kind of filling us in and, and teaching us a little bit about your ways over at UK Ag Weather. And uh, hopefully it will continue to uh, have a good relationship and hopefully the weather will uh, continue to be in our favor. So. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah. Thanks All for right. coming on. Well, thank you. All right. Well, thanks, Matt Dixon, for coming on. He was a really good guest. And as always, anybody can talk about the weather as far as what's going on around us locally. So I really appreciated him coming on and and giving us his two cents and about kind of how they do things up there. It's kind of interesting, actually. So so Whitney, I want to want to ask if you noticed that uh, it seemed like Daniel was kind of having a fangirl moment there because, uh, you know, last week we found out when he was a kid, he wanted to be a weatherman and we had yeah. a real live weatherman <laughs> on the show. So he, he, he was on fire there for a uh, while. No, I couldn't get a, a word in edgewise. Y'all are always <laughs> saying that I'm the one asking the questions. I could, so here's, I something, we're not, and here's <laughs> something we should talk about. Doesn't everybody kind of have a favorite weatherman? I think they do. Oh, yeah. And, and they of have course. like their go-to yes. yeah. weatherman. Um, uh huh. Well, and I had one in Lexington TG when I lived Shuck. in Lexington, and I have was one now. That I'm <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it wasn't. But are you a Bailey fan? I, well, I didn't watch that channel. Okay. I well, when I was in Lexington, yeah. of course, in Springfield, where I grew up, we had mostly Lexington stations, and TG Shuck was the guy. Uh-huh. Now he's in Louisville. Um, but oh, yeah, he uh, is in Louisville now. But, yes, that's and TG right. would always do the weather at the football games. So that was that was well, and. I, I have local, so I get Louisville and Bowling Green on our cable. We get Bowling Green and on our, you know, our dish, we get uh, Louisville's channel. So I have a favorite in Louisville and I have a favorite in Bowling Green who is my cousin. So I have to, you know, he's, he does a good job. Who's your cousin in Bowling Green? 
Um, <laughs> thank you. I think she just made up that she had family. No, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin, Justin is his name. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's, yeah. Yeah. yeah so justin hobbs he's he's on 13 news yep. um he's in bowling green so yep. he actually he's we he's get, a, a distant cousin of ours we get bowling green uh news and weather and whatnot mm-hmm. on our tv yeah. so yeah i watch 13 now but mm-hmm. i always was a weinberg fan he gets talk about a guy Listen, getting fired he gets, up about the he weather does. I, he I get excited about i appreciate <laughs> that he tries to he tries to educate people about the weather too and they all they all do yeah. but uh i do yeah. like how he's uh uh pretty passionate about teaching about uh, mm-hmm. perpescular rays and uh, yeah. omega blocks and all those things that he yeah. talks about <laughs> makes it makes it interesting. Well, and Jude does a good job in the mornings mm-hmm. too, which yeah. I actually got to meet both of those guys when I was in my previous, you know, job, I would go on DRB quite a bit. So I got to know those guys. They're all pretty cool. So, all right. So what do we need to what do we need to update our folks on here? I know we've got a list of things. So the first thing is uh, census. Is have you all filled out your census yet? As soon as it came in. Actually, I can thank my wife for that. Oh yeah. I, I really had nothing to do with that endeavor. <laughs> they had to send us a second notice and then we did ours. <laughs> it's one of those things like we got it, we got it in the mail and it yeah. kind of got put in the pile and but we did it the mm-hmm. second time. So Okay. Question. Side note. Where does your pile, where is your pile? Is your pile on the kitchen table? Okay. So it starts, we have two piles. There's a kitchen table pile. And then there's like our little, in the corner of the kitchen, there's this place where you like put your junk and you put some of the mail and it's like, you know, the table is like this week's mail, but then after this week, it kind of goes to that pile. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll take that back. We kind of have three. We have the kitchen table pile, the counter pile, like you're talking about. And then if it's farm bills or farm mail, they get piled on the desk in the office. So Yeah. Yeah. We have a we have a little nook right beside our microwave, and that's usually where all of the stuff gets stuffed. And then my husband goes, Where's this at? I can't find it. I'm like, look in the pile. It's in the pile. <laughs> And then it's always fun to go through that nook, you know, like, because that's where ours is, it's by the microwave. Mm -hmm. And to go through that, like, once Mm -hmm. every two or three weeks and just, you just throw everything away. You're like, oh, (laughs) why did I even put this I'm going to save this. Yeah. That's kind of what I did with my desk yesterday. I I I showed you all my clean desk. I'm so proud of you. It's still a mess. And I would remind everybody to do that. It takes 10 minutes to do. And they're not trying to steal your information. They are just wanting, because it's going to help everybody. When you fill this out, it helps everybody. It helps with funding. It helps with uh, the general population and the information that they can right. get to and use. And especially rural, uh, rural communities, I think, benefit yeah. greatly from getting these filled out. So. Yes. So we do have a lot of online learning opportunities for, for people. Um, what, what are some mm-hmm. of those that we have coming up? Uh, we have the Grower's Guide to Kentucky Hemp Production. Uh, some of you remember back, and we probably talked about it some on the first episode of this. Uh, looks like we've got that finalized and wrapped up, and that's actually a week from today as we're recording this. It'll be next Tuesday, May the 5th. Mm-hmm. You can make yourself uh, tacos for lunch because it's Cinco de Mayo. There you go. <laughs> Starts at 8 o'clock eastern time and looks like it wraps up about noon so uh, they'll be talking about uh, pre-plant planning uh, agronomic management pest management harvest and post-harvest 
Uh, I think there's some financials and budgets in there under the the planning section of that that should be really important for anybody that's yes. uh, still thinking about growing that particular crop. So we'll put a, a link to that meeting or to the sign up or whatever mm-hmm. uh, up on a up on our Twitter page uh, and probably put it on some of our office, social media, Facebook and whatnot too. Yeah. Uh, yeah we can do that. And then of course, if you don't uh, have either of those, feel free to call the office or, or however, email, however you, you want to get a hold of us and we can get that to you as well. Yeah. A lot with a lot of these zoom meetings, it's probably going to be the best way to get signed up is to contact, contact us at the office and uh, we can get you the, the sign in information for yeah. that. Um, and I think if you don't, if you can't make it during that time, they're going to have all those recordings available afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but it should be a good opportunity. You probably have the chance to ask a few questions uh, that they may answer. If you So if you have right. some questions, you definitely want to make sure that you get on there. I guess um, the other to thing, too, to is a webinar series that has been ongoing and is continuing on is the beef webinar series, uh, reaching out while you're locked in. And Dr. Katie Van Balen, she is the new extension beef specialist in Princeton, and she's going to be talking about utilizing technology to enhance uh, cattle management practices. So, but that's at eight Eastern. Is that right? Yes. That would be seven central. Yeah. Yep. I got that. Yeah. (laughs) So those are, and once again, got to contact us to get that information because once again, they're the last one went over really well via zoom. And they actually are doing something a little different too. I think that five minutes before the video starts, you can catch it on the Kentucky Beef IRM Facebook page. They're going to do a watch party. So you can actually catch it on Facebook as well. So, and it's recorded that way and you can go back and watch it if you can't sit there. You know, seven o'clock my time is, is kind of right in the middle of getting kids ready for bed and that sort of thing. So we, we do the best we can. Well, in this time of year, uh, you know, the days are getting long enough. If it's mm-hmm. pretty out, a lot of farmers probably aren't in the house and settled down yet by yeah. seven, so, 7 Central, 8 o'clock Eastern time. So yeah. go back and, and watch, watch the it recording. before you go to bed or mm-hmm. while you're eating your supper late at night or whatever. Yep. yep, absolutely. Catch any freeze damage, either of you all? I know we've been kind of, that's been our kind of topic for the last couple of weeks, but I haven't been able, I haven't really seen much in the wheat that, we've got in the county has pretty well been burned down so very spotty mm-hmm. uh, kind of like what we thought yep spotty i'm actually mm-hmm. yeah kind of planning on going out this afternoon and looking at a few fields that i think were early maturing wheat fields yeah. and you know with the way the weather hit those are probably going to be the most likely to to have issues but mm-hmm. i don't think it's any more than yeah. a 10 or 15 percent hit maybe which is a hit and i don't i'm not trying to discount that but um hopefully that's sure. that's the extent of i know it. hearing hearing a lot of reports out west and kind of down south in the western and southern parts of the state of maybe some more significant damage so mm-hmm. uh sounds like we may have dodged a bullet around here you all seeing any other issues going on in 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 your counties or in the area um matt didn't you mention something about maybe some alfalfa weevil yeah seeing maybe some you know we saw some last year kind of some alfalfa weevil escapes or something went wrong we're not 100 percent sure what happened uh i know i've seen a few uh in the last few weeks and it seems like the alfalfa that had damage from weevils early on uh that was sprayed it's just not really recovering 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the weather pattern we've had the last couple of weeks. It's just yeah. not growing right now. I've noticed, you know, we talked before we started recording, the grass has really slowed down and kind of stalled out the last couple of weeks too. So yeah. I think just need some more warm temperatures and good growing conditions to pull out of a lot of this. All right. Well, uh, don't forget, we are on Twitter at Dirt211. And if you've got questions or need to text us for anything, we're available 502-286-3131. That's our text machine. So feel free to text us at any time. But other than that. Uh, Don't forget our offices are open. The doors may be locked, but the offices are open and we're working and uh, wanting to help you all. So if you need anything, please be sure to contact us. So With that being said, I guess we're good for this week and we will see you guys next week. All right. Y'all have a good one. Stay safe.